0: There she is, from the Institute. If we play our cards right, we may be able to find out when those whales are leaving. How will playing cards help? Yeah, irrelevant. Make it so. Yeah, irrelevant. Make it so. Yeah,
1: Welcome back to Make It So. I am Charlie Plain, and back again from his vacation is Mr. Neil Timmons.
0: Greetings, everybody. It's great to be back, and I'm excited to take a look at the cards that the teams have submitted
1: for this week's Make It So. Yes, challenge number nine. Can you believe we've been doing this for... Yeah, months already. I'm optimistic that we will not have computer issues, and I can actually get one of these podcasts up, because we've had some technical difficulties for the last couple, and I sincerely apologize for that. Unfortunately, Sir Rogue has been infected by some sort of mutant supervirus, probably retaliation from the Obsidian Order. But we did get Sir Dan, and he'll join us here shortly to talk about the cards.
0: This challenge was kind of exciting. We're starting to look at cards that people have already looked at before because these are the teams that made these cards. So they're looking at their own work, and they're starting to pick through their own things. They're starting to look at how a card would come together uh, in a whole process, not just a, a one-week challenge where your cards are due in three days.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting when I was watching the team's work how many of them were complaining about how bad these were. These nine cards were pulled from the original four teams. Some of them were created by the other team that the people were working on and had nothing to do with their original design. And and very few people were critical of those cards. They They were incredibly critical of their own work which to me shows that they've learned a lot. It, it demonstrates that they have learned a lot of tricks and techniques over the last five months at this point and have grown as designers, and that makes this whole process pretty rewarding.
0: It is pretty neat to see people actually taking uh, the things at heart and looking through the work that they've created.
1: Preventable Disaster was the first card. Neil, how do you think the Borg tackled this card?
0: I thought the... The Borg used a, a, a reduction strategy, and I think it seems to have worked. They took a big, huge, nasty dilemma, but they dropped the cost down a whole bunch, and they made the dilemma do a lot less, but it seemed, they seemed to have cleaned the text up so that it, it jives a little bit better and it feels a little bit better. So I, I think they did a good job with this dilemma.
2: I really like the way that uh, it bounces back to the dilemma pile if, if you prevent the disaster. I think that's very thematic. And I like it a lot. Looking at the playtest notes, that it was super complicated. Now it's not. It's very spelled out nicely. I, I think it's a great job. I like it a lot.
1: All right. How about the Federation's version?
2: Well, as Neil said, this is it's one less cost. It's four costs instead, uh, instead of five. So again, it's probably one of the few dilemmas you're going to play. And it seems to have just about the same effect. You have to have the skills, or you destroy an event. It's it's interesting that they worded it a little bit differently, but had the same effect there. But this one stops everyone and damages the ship. So
0: it, it is thematic, and it's it, it's it's not so bad. But in the existing cards, the big damage card that everyone uses that stops everybody is Gumtree Shockwave, and it costs three. So I wouldn't use the preventable preventable disaster over Gumtree Shockwave because it, Gum2, Shockwave, flat out just costs one less.
1: Arguably, this is worse than gom 2 anyway because it has an easier way out of it.
0: The damage to that cost four, there's a couple of them, and they kill people.
1: The Federation's version seems a little, maybe a little overcosted, and I I could almost make a case that the Borg one's a little undercosted, And I am disappointed that neither of them went with the Pursuit strategy and instead went with Temporal
2: it seems temporal is something that's more likely to be at than Pursuit at this point, because everyone, you know, everyone's throwing down
1: machinations. So, strictly speaking, neither of these want to make you... They don't want to make you play temporal events. They want to make your opponent play temporal events, which I suppose is encouraging the keyword, but I think some of the, the, the chutzpah of the cards was lost by taking out the Pursuit part. Well, the second card was, was the equipment, the Dekion field emitter, and I think the one thing that everybody agreed on was that this should not be an equipment unsurprisingly both teams turned it into an event
2: i think it's amazing that they both came up with pretty much <laughs> the same thing that the, the event goes on the bottom of the deck so that you know in the future it'll come back again as far as the playtest notes it, it certainly solved the problem of using the same card over and over again uh, unless you manage to detect yourself which is you know something that's not likely to happen but wasn't good
0: it is it is nice to see that it they, turn, they both turned it in, into an event. The Federation I didn't do too bad of a job. The observation I have about this card is, is that it ends up being a combo card. It's not a strong card on its own. You have to use it with other stuff. Nog or the Pocket Watch or some other stuff that allows you to get your, your events back. I like combos. I like big, long chains. So this would fit right in with that chain.
1: One of the complaints I know the judges had was that the original let you pretty much infinite loop your at costs. Both teams have taken steps to prevent that by making it so that you can remove... You you can only do that three times because you have to remove this from the game now. But the Borg team took the additional step about saying now you can only loop cards in your core. That seems like a pretty smart, safe choice on it because, I mean... You're right, this is a combo card, but if you play the Federation's version, all you need to do is put, what is the name of it, what you leave behind in the pocket watch, as you referenced it. Right. and
0: It stops the infinite at-what-cost loop. but if you can play at-what-cost six times, that's really close to infinite.
1: Yeah, it might as well be <laughs> infinite.
0: If you take six double turns and you can't win, then you need to switch affiliations or something.
1: Is limiting it to events in your core the right way to do that? Or do you limit it to non-zero events? I think
0: the text on the cards are right. I think the costs need to be switched. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: another one of the more controversial cards was Delegation.
0: On the Federation side, I I like that they restricted it to a go. I, I also like that you... To, to use this, you have to discard cards from your hand to to do it the first half of its part to download a glen. There's a couple of pretty good glens in this game, but there's actually not a lot of good glens in this game. So it's actually kind of cool that yeah, you'll discard a card to to catch a glen, but but once you do that, then this card is I mean, you're done using that. You're only going to chuck a couple of cards to download a couple of glens. Then when you when one of those glens uh, uses a skill. Then you can use the second half to 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 score your points, which is kind of nice because it's not one of those things that you're ever gonna really have
1: a decision point on. I like it, Dan. What did you think about the Federation's delegation?
2: Well, uh, one of the playtest notes that, was that it didn't happen very often in playtesting, and this is sure to happen every time that you want it to happen because you're discarding a card. I like the feel of a goal shows up, calls forth the in to go do something, and you get points for it. That sounds that, that's great. I like it a lot.
1: How about the other side of the coin and, and look at the Borgs?
2: Well, they, they solved the problem of not happening, happening as often as tripling the, <laughs> the likelihood of it happening, which is a step, you know, a, a good step from where the playtesting was. I don't know. I, I think I like, as Neil pointed out, with, with, the, with the Federation version, you, you can pick a Glynn and get it. With the Borg, you have to stock a lot of Glynn's in your deck to, to make it happen.
0: The other problem I have with the board vert is, yeah, it triples your chances to catch a glen and get a free dude out of the out of the deal. But with the with the, the federation version, you're probably going to end up discarding two, maybe three, maybe four cards. And but with this card, I mean, you play three or four gulls or leggets, and you just discarded six or eight cards,
1: and you may not get a bonus. It's wasteful. I'm really not gonna. I'm not gonna build a Glen deck because of this card because they're just not that exciting. And wasting two cards to get one into play isn't really exciting to me. And I do take exception to Leggett being shoehorned on there. It doesn't need to be on there. They don't need to be together all of the time. And shouldn't the Leggett delegate to the Gull and the Gull delegate to the Glen? It shouldn't be like that. I don't like it on there. That's just personal preference. I know there's precedent for it being on there, but I don't like that. Well, that brings us to... Tortuous Act certainly one of the more interesting cards of the original nine, and it was clearly one of those cards that may not be necessary anymore. Because when it was originally created, it was before Infinite Diversity and it was before Transport Crash Survivor, so it was a very, very much a anti-micro teaming card. Now that micro teaming has been effectively kicked in the teeth, it's going to be interesting to see what the teams did with it.
0: When I look at the Federation card, it feels very hindrance-ish to me except it, it seems to be weaker than hindrance. Uh, there's not a lot of crime events, and I know there's a, a couple of them that cost zero, which, which makes this bad, and there's no way to affect the cost of any card right now. Furthermore, they also took, uh, they made it unique and took the crime keyword off of here, so it can't destroy itself. So you're kinda limited to what cards you can play with to to destroy.
1: Well, I don't I don't agree with your statement that it's worse than hindrance. Hindrance requires you to kill a three or will a, a personal cost three or more to draw three and spend three. Right. If you kill a three cost event, it's the same thing. I think on its own, it's not worse than hindrance. What makes it worse than hindrance is the severe lack of good crime cards to use with it. The argument for taking the crime keyword off was that They didn't want it to be downloaded by Ramus, and if you remember, there was a a very bad loop that playtesting had found using Ramus, but the problem wasn't Ramus. The problem was this card. You know, it destroyed itself, and then you could smuggling run it back, or... I don't remember exactly what the loop was. It's, It's in the playtest notes, but their solution to killing the loop was taking the crime card off, and since it's supposed to encourage crime cards, I'm not sure that was a wise decision.
0: The, the thing that they, they have not seemed to keep in mind, though, is that the cost, the base cost to draw and spend three Dilemmas is five.
1: Yeah, Complications.
0: That complications is five. All of the other cards that let you do it are either, they either cost five or they cost less, but there are other requirements that that make using the card more difficult.
2: I, I actually like it. Uh, and what I like is that you can use your... It encourages you to play other crime cards, which was part of the original intent. And then once you've gotten your benefit from those crime cards, now you've got something else you can do with them. So if you've already used, you know, you've gotten an effect from something, now you can use it for something else. So it gives you another another in-game decision, another option. What I don't like is it would limit a future design of a, you know, four or five cost crime card that, you know, could have some nifty effect, but... You'd have to think about blowing it up for, for this card. A, uh, a party atmosphere would make it cheaper, and then you'd throw it away with this, and you know, that could be a problem later on.
1: Yeah, that is always something you have to be very cautious about. Anyway, let's take a look at the Borg's version.
2: Well, it, it definitely kept the crime. It, it, uh, it, it also encourages thieves by needing to have three. And I like the choice. I like the choice between drawing three and spending three. Since it's unique, you can't download it and then, you know, play it, but you're still stuck with Remy is downloading other crime cards, but you have to pay for them. So. I, I I like this as well. It just, just doesn't feel like it's as, even though you still get to make a decision, it doesn't feel like it's
0: as uh, adaptable as the other one is. I hate to keep saying the same thing, but I think this is almost over cost. With the base cost of five to draw and spend uh, three dilemmas, this costs two, so plus you need three thieves, plus you have to destroy a crime event. With all of those put together, i th- I think you should almost either get both or get one or the other and something else
1: one of the things that the original did that I actually really liked was that it let you shuffle and then draw now it was too much the way it was worded before, but both of these they took away the shuffling, which was the most innovative part of it, and I think the card lost something by taking that out of there.
0: They' would be able to add that back in in my opinion with this cost too and that was kind of a novel effect to that card.
1: So one of my personal favorite cards was the Mission from Balance of Terror, which is one of my favorite episodes. Dan, I think this was one of the ones that you had been looking for particular attention on. How do you think the teams did on this one? Well,
2: I I, I don't know. I feel like there was really something very, very trek sensey about the first one. And, you know, I'm a one player, so I like that kind of thing. And something kind of slipped away in both of these revisions. I think they are better cards... But, I, but it, it kind
0: of lost that feeling for me. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I, I look at the notes that the Federation team had down. They were really trying to keep it a, a past Romulans mission. But then I see five skills on there. And they have two of every skill. Not redundant at all. So if you're going to cater to the past Romulans, you should, you should have less than five skills. Also, for a, a mission that can only get up to 40 points, because you can only score an extra five points, Five skills plus cunning greater than 36, I think, is a little bit... That's a lot of requirements for for a mission that, that won't get you as many points.
1: Well, um, it looks like they based it on the, the standard 40-point mission model.
0: For a lot of those missions that have uh, five skills in mid-30s or four skills in high 30s, they also have a benefit on the mission, or they have a game text on the mission, or something that, that you're also paying for. And this one has... A detriment, actually, because it's not actually a 40-point mission. You can't use your 40 or more stuff on it, and it could fizzle.
1: Specifically looking at the Borg version, I think they totally copped out. This isn't huh. this isn't even remotely the same mission anymore. Honestly, I don't know why nobody just took the original mission and put a limit on it, because yeah. I think that was all it really yeah. needed. I mean, it was yeah. a great mission. The problem was that Perfect. I can force you to draw way too many cards on my turn, and then I can have an infinite number of points. Not infinite, obviously, but put a limit 20 on it, and boom. 20-point mission that can get you 40 points. I think it would have been absolutely perfect. I mean, they did—they changed damn near everything on the mission. Both teams did. The only thing that's still the same is the span, the title, and the Romulan icon. I mean, they changed the skills, and they changed the game text completely. I think both of them... They left the region. Yeah, okay. well, okay. But they they both changed it too much. They, they completely reinvented the mission and they didn't need to. The Borg especially it doesn't even have anything to do with the original mission. And the, I mean, the Romulans don't need another too hard 30 point mission that does something that they already do way too well. They need missions that they can do and neither of these are missions that the Romulans can easily do. At least the Federation one still gives you points. It's, it's pretty sad but at least it does.
2: I would like to try either of these with Expand the Collective because I think that would be fun. The imposter is not to be injured. Use minimum force. Repeat, the imposter is not to be injured. I'm
0: Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk! I'm I'm Captain Kirk!
1: Well, speaking of Borg, we now get into the noun version of our program. We're going to talk about the personnel and the ship. And we're going to start with the assessment drone, which inexplicably had intelligence originally. Fortunately, I think both teams dealt with that problem by removing the skill.
2: I, you know, interestingly, they we went different Borg interrupts in directions. One is, is made for adapt, and, and one is made for analyze. The Borg team, it's always tough to kill a personnel involved in a, in a mission. I, I guess the point would be, let me get, let me get the timing right. I, I, all my people are stopped by a dilemma. It's about to go back under your deck, and and I'm going to kill this guy? Can I do that?
1: I think that's right, because the Dilemma hasn't... Usually they're worded as it. All your personnel are stopped, and this Dilemma returns to its own Dilemma pile. So it's like one... You can do that. But yeah, I mean, I suppose that's the only real reason to use it. Like, they hit you with the Dalrock or something, so you can kill this guy to put it under, so you can adapt to it.
0: Right. Uh, The, The only problem I have with the wording on the board team, it's worded in such a way that he won't stop a timescape or a dilemma that is floating on a mission because they're not facing the dilemma anymore. They're just just sitting there.
1: Those are generally dilemmas, with one big gigantic exception. Those are generally dilemmas that you don't want to mess with for very good. I mean, there's a reason Rega can't rega a skeleton crew or Rega can't Rega a timescape. There's a very good reason making it so that he could do that to a timescape or a skeleton crew would just be way too good.
2: The Federation version I felt was another fellow that I'd probably leave behind and just use him every turn
0: at the unicomplex. The Federation's version I think should either place himself under the deck or should only be able to use his skill at a non
1: headquarters mission. Well I'll tell you right now, he sure is sure is whatever should not be non unique. I mean <laughs> mm-hmm. th- this is this is Borg Lauren. Well, Earth Icon Lauren. She, it's the same exact ability, actually slightly worse. On a non-unique personnel, I mean, play three. and he's two cost. Play three of them. Leave them at your homeworld. Even if you can't, even if you change it so you don't have to leave him at his homeworld, or you put him back in your deck or something, that's three three dilemmas a turn. That's ridiculous. And even if <laughs> it's 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 yeah. insane because if two out of the three outcomes of using his ability are going to be good for you, no, it's if it's returned to the bottom, it doesn't bother Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It it's goes it goes to the bottom, so yeah. you, you get to see what it was. So it's like, oh, you just put a planet dilemma on the bottom. I'll go do my planet mission. Type of situation,
0: or, 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 or no, or, that's not what makes it bad. What makes it bad is that if you have three of them, you get the top three dilemmas. You either stuff one under a mission, or it's or it goes back.
1: Right, but it's one and at a time.
0: Yes, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get stuck on a space dilemma. True, you're not gonna reveal and go, oh, it's a space dilemma. Okay, well, I guess I won't stop there. other you guys, because. They don't do anything because I know the top one's a space dilemma. No, yeah. that space dilemma goes back, so you can do it again. Like, hey, what's the next dilemma? Yeah, it's uh, just, it it's it's well.
1: absolutely should not be non unique. It's ridiculous. It's way too good as a non unique. It needs to be unique. I'm, other uh, than that, I don't particularly have a problem with it. I mean, it is a little too good, but you can't use it until after you've already solved the mission.
2: I do like that it sets up for adapts later on. So, you know, if you, if you catch. You know, if you catch somebody's, uh, you know, where one was gone before, uh, you know, the next time you face it, it's it's just going to be adapted in a way. So that that works well with the very old old interrupt that uh, you know from the very beginning. Four, four bag of tricks.
1: Yeah, it, really. If it were unique and costed three, I'd like it. The other, I mean, the, the bigger issue is that the board don't really need that kind of help. <laughs> but it is a really good conceptually implemented card. All right. So the next personnel is our Cardassian fellow and. The board team has decided this is a version of Garrick and the Federation team left him to be undefined what did you think of the board teams Garrick
0: I like that they limited it to instead of just flat out being a dual dilemma blah to a dilemma that has a cost of one or more and does not require a skill to and, and also hindering yourself by stopping his personnel and of course you still have to kill a captive so it, it looks like they just kind of left the person pretty much the same. They just trimmed his ability down a little bit to to bring it underneath the power curve. It's not so bad. This is also a, a cost for Cardassian, which there's not a lot of. So if you're trying to uh, call the arms uh, with the Cardassians, this can help out a lot. And because he's cost four, he does come pretty loaded down with skills.
1: Yeah, if I'm doing my mental math right, he could actually probably get one more skill and stay cost four.
2: The, the notes were that the risk reward was too low, and... And they've gone on and made it a guarantee. If you see something that qualifies, boom! Someone's dead. He stopped, and it's overcome. I I think that's uh I think that works out rather well.
1: Then what do you think about the Federation version?
2: Interesting, an interesting twist. I I don't remember. Was the first one a an AU card?
1: Yeah, he had a icon on it.
2: Okay, and that's something that the Borg team kind of missed out on because I think that's a good setup. Uh, but okay, I dueled, very similar A dual dilemma cost of one or more. Kill a number of your captives equals the cost of dilemma. Ah, uh, that could be difficult, because capturing people has gotten easier, but the big ones that you'd want to overcome immediately—that's a lot of captives.
1: Right, and you don't—I mean, even three captives is a—that's a big investment of resources that you have made to get them, and killing off one dilemma. Tragic Turn is the, is the elephant in the room with this, right? They flip over tra- Tragic Turn, I can kill three of my captives to prevent your Tragic Turn. That's probably worth it, but, you know, if you're playing a Cardassian interaction deck, you want captives because you've got psych pressures and tribunal sentencing's out. Killing three captives to pop one dilemma is pretty is pretty overpricey, in my opinion. Yes, but the thing that makes that high
0: cost worth it is is that you can, you can do it over and over. I mean, it's, it, there's a, there's a while this person is facing a dual dilemma. You run into a, a hard time and, and caretaker's guests and where no one's gone before. I know it costs you five captives, which is expensive, but you can punch two of those dilemmas away. Now one of them doesn't even go to your court. goes underneath the mission, and now you have your whole crew to face your where no one's gone before.
1: I will give them credit for realizing that they would have a problem with zero-cost dilemmas. I can kill zero captives to prevent my dilemma. That would have been bad, so kudos for recognizing that. This is a Family Guy reference, I think, with the red shirt Ensign Ricky, which I appreciate, but the biggest complaint about this card was that he would enable TOS to short stack a mission. Obviously a little bit harder to do now with Transport Crash Survivor out, but I still think both teams did a good job of addressing this.
0: Both these teams took a different approach in how to deal with it, and I I, I like both. Uh, The Federation one. Uh, removes the dilemma from the game. The board team puts it under your completed mission. I mean, they're a little bit different, The the board team, of course, you have to have a complete mission to, to use them. Getting a complete mission with the TOS crew shouldn't be uh, all that difficult. Uh, and uh, the Federation, it doesn't allow your opponent to get that dilemma back, but you know, it's a little bit cheaper, but but, uh, but it doesn't have to requirements. So, so it's a little bit more powerful. I, I, I like how both of them solve the problem. I agree. I think that in, in, in TOS, it, it seems to be
2: easy to get a person back from the discard pile, so they made them, you know, he doesn't go away. It's It, it could be just as easy to bounce him back to hand with, you know, off and, and other things, but I like that, I I, I like the Federation team because you can start using it right away and just try to mill away the loan pile. I happen to like big loan piles, <laughs> so I think everyone should be playing with them, and that certainly encourages it.
1: I actually think that if they had exchanged the text on their Ensign Ricky and their assessment drone, it would have been five stars. I like both of them. I would have personally liked them to be two-cost personnel with one or two upgrades because that way you can't drop three of them and then use, is it stone? It's it's the virtual guy who recycles three. That's not so good with a repeatable card like that, but different approaches to the same problem. All right, and so that brings us to the Starfleet Intrepid. Let's talk about this ship. Dan, I'm going to start with you, and we're going to start with the board version. What did you think of this card?
2: Well, the first thing I I tried to figure out was what dual dilemma looks at my ship's attributes, and I couldn't come up with one off the top of my head.
1: I can't think of one either, and I think that's a major flaw in this card.
2: And it's a four-cost ship that still has range of six.
1: Right, well, that doesn't bother me, because Starfleet's supposed to have terrible ships. The Enterprise gets a boost, which it's the Enterprise, and then the future Enterprise has 8 range, because it's from the future. It seems like both of these teams were just far too worried about giving Starfleet a a good ship again, and it's like, well, you know, they don't need necessarily... They need a useful ship. They don't necessarily need a range 9 ship. So I I don't really have a problem with the cost and the, the range. I know I'm probably in the minority there, but...
0: The board ship isn't all that bad, because... While they're facing a dual dilemma, each of your personnel are attributes plus one. Making the ship attributes plus three doesn't help you during that specific dilemma. Well, during any of the dilemmas that we can think of, but it may help with dilemmas in the future. There might be other stuff coming.
1: Your point is acknowledged. I just don't think it's ever going to happen and it shouldn't be on there. They're keeping the duel thing on there because that's what the original card is, but they just sort of, it doesn't, that making your per- personnel plus one versus a duel is good, obviously, but the ship part's tacked on and ruins the card for me.
2: No, I agree. I don't see a, a use for it. It's, it's kind of tough.
1: Well, do you see a use for the Federation's version?
2: Well, yeah, since it's, the attributes last until the start of the next turn, you can pump it up. Boy, as much as you want, it looks like. There's no limit on that. That could be a problem. I guess it's limited by
0: the number of dilemmas you have, but...
1: That is um, my first problem with it.
0: I actually don't have a problem with the limit at all. That's exactly the point. This is that how many dual dilemmas are you going to get underneath your mission? Even if you have 10 dilemmas and you remove 10 dual dilemmas from, the, from underneath your mission and you make the, the ship attributes plus 20, uh, you only get that for one turn. And, and the, the other problem I have with this ship is, is that the time that you need range greater than 8 is when you're trying to
1: do your spaceman. This is not a range booster card. This is cowering in fear of Krooge card. It's the only reason sure. for it to last until the start of my next turn. I don't really like that. My biggest problem with this card is that there's absolutely no reason not to use it. It denies your opponent something they can use, right? It It's taking away like the Mannheim effect. I know nobody really plays it right now, but any sort of effect that allows you to recover dilemmas from underneath a mission or or that kind of thing is now being completely punished by this card. There's no reason for me not to just take every dual dilemma out of all my missions and make them go away to make my ship better. Maybe I do it all at once, maybe I do it gradually, but there's no reason not to do it. Yeah, but that only really hurts the board with their adapt. But It hurts everybody. If you have any sort of cards in your deck that allow you to pull dilemmas back from underneath a mission, this card hurts that.
2: Uh, The Thoughtmaker uh, as well. Uh, something that's uh, overcome already—you'd be ripping that from them. And, and just in general, I think this card's missing a past icon, isn't it?
1: Yes. Well, that's true. That's a very good point. To be honest, I don't like either of these ships. I, I, th-
2: <laughs> I think, based on the feedback of the original ship being not used because it was just kind of wimpy, and I think, I think the Federation team met that better. They might have gone overboard, but I think they met it better. As as a ship more likely to be,
1: I would agree with that statement.
2: But you know, perhaps it needs another round of play testing to see if it's too good, huh?
1: Yeah, we'll just do that again and make that challenge ten. How about that? So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take the broad view here. The board team, how did they do?
2: I think, in general, uh, looking at the original card and looking at the feedback and the judges' feedback and their cards, I think each one, without with maybe one exception, maybe the intrepid, I, I think each one is a step. Toward something that you know would be would be publishable, a, a, a step from the original bad card. They got feedback. They made some revisions, and and, and they they came to a better place.
0: I, I liked their verb cards. I liked the events that they made, and I wasn't too keen on their their nouns: the the board guy and the federation guy, and even the Kardashian guy to some extent. I, I I thought that the the cards they, they did a good job of making them better, but they were still a little bit off and they weren't quite done yet i don't know if i was too excited about their mission i had to play with their mission a couple times to see to see how i like it i, I really did like the the events that they made uh, delegation and, and, and other other fixed which was act
1: i gotta say i think that they for the most part had some some solid consistent cards but they had just two that were Really big sore thumbs for me, just just really disappointing. I, the Mission and the Intrepid, I just, they were completely flat. While they may have addressed the letter of the playtesting feedback, they just completely failed to retain the spirit of the card or make them interesting in any way. Are those two bad enough to really make me not like what they did overall? Now let's take a look at the Federation team. It's interesting. I think that they have a much more consistent level of quality across all nine of their cards. But I think that the, that average level of consistency is slightly lower than what the Borg team had. But they didn't have the, the peaks and valleys like the Borg do. Um, I think they had some some interesting ideas here, some mistakes, but overall a more consistent effort, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I thought a couple of their cards, they, they really went the route of playing it safe. But that, I mean, that's not a bad thing. When, when you look at a couple of their cards, you can say, oh, that's that's really good. They could have probably added a little bit of spice. So many times people try to make the the best card ever, and all they needed to do was scale it back a little bit, and they can make a functional card instead of a broken card. I I think you're right. I don't think they had the the same props and peaches as the board team, but but I I think that's to their credit, and I think they're probably a little bit above the board team because they were able to avoid those just nasty, treacherous valleys that can really stick out like sore thumbs on your list of cards.
2: It was interesting. I felt that a few of them kind of took the playtesting notes and maybe took it a little too far in some cases, leaving them a little bit too safe, as Neil was saying. In, in the playtest cycle, you, you throw something out, you get some response, you make some changes, and the ideal is to go to you know a, a safe place that's not too safe and it's not too crazy because you know you got to put it out again and you get more more feedback, I kind of felt like they were, not that they went to an extreme, but they went a little too far. They, they didn't, there's, there's a point where you have to trust your own design and, and not disregard what the playtesters say, but kind of meet in the middle, and and I mean, there, there's a reason they're the playtesters, not the designers, right?
1: And it's, it's interesting, because there's really two ways to handle adapting your cards, and it starts with when you make them in the first place. You can make them way stronger than you think they're going to end up and scale it back as you get more and more feedback. Or you can make it go the other way and make it way weaker than where you really want it to be and then scale it up as you get feedback. And I, I almost think that the two teams did it opposite ways. The, the board team more had of a, more had the approach of we're going to take it down just a notch and see what the, what the feedback's going to be there. Well, the Federation said, okay, we're going to take it down five notches and then... On our next iteration of it, we'll bring it up a couple if we need to. And it's interesting. I really would almost like to see what the teams would do with another round of of testing and feedback. Unfortunately, the the competition isn't designed that way, but I don't necessarily think that one approach is right versus the other, but I I think that your analysis is is spot on there.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. It's kind of like the feeling of a top-down or a bottom-up
1: design. Okay, so Dan and his partner in crime, who we all hope will be feeling better soon, have to officially judge this competition, so I don't want them to give me their answers based on uh, first impressions, but Neil, on the other hand, I am going to make him give me an answer. Neil, how would you call this competition?
0: I think this is going to be one of the competitions that's not going to end 5-0. to zero. I think I'm siding with the Federation because I believe that they were able to avoid the large valleys that i think hurt the board this time around and the, the consistency of the federation cards carries them through this day so uh yeah i i say federation three to two with a close public vote i regret that we meet in this way you and i are of a kind in a different reality i could have called your friend
1: Well, we have given you our first impressions, and now it is time for you to hit up our website and give us your votes. Time to figure out which team wins the day. You can vote for Challenge Number 9 by going to the website www.trekcc.org, hitting up the Challenge 9 Vote Now thread, and putting your votes in. Votes are due Monday, May 24th at 8am, and we'll get the results posted then, and we'll be back next week talk about challenge number 10 it's going to be an interesting one i'm looking forward to it it's going to be exciting well on behalf of our section 31 guest sir dan my name's charlie Plain, and i'm neil timmons and in the immortal words of captain picard
0: make it so so podcast is recorded under a creative commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license for more information visit
1: www.creativecommons.org some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you pod safe free from Mevio's music alley for more information visit www.musicalley.com make it so the search for the next assistant
0: game designer is brought to you by the continuing committee home of the first and second edition star trek ccg for more information Please visit www.trekcc.org, www.trekcc.org.